So we've had quite a day today. The um, had a bunch of clergy together with Maggie Walker, um, saying that they didn't think racism was a good idea. Actually, it was a pretty impressive gathering, and the spirit was great. And uh, and Janie was one of the people who read the the uh, statement from the clergy. Six hundred of them signed it, which by my calculations is about a third of the clergy in Metro Richmond. Bishop was one of the people who read one of the parts of it too. Then I spent the last, you know, four hours dealing with 60 Minutes, which is going to do something on Richmond, and New Yorker, which is going to do something on Richmond. So, we're, something's going on here, I guess you know. <laughs> well, I like having this, um, this gospel tonight. I really like this gospel. And, uh, Matthew talks about a Canaanite woman. Mark, which is more ancient by about 30 years, talks about a, a Syrian Phoenician woman who speaks Greek. So she's really kind of you know, mixed up in that whole Hellenistic world. She's kind of a proto-Arab. Um, the Phoenicians um, still claim racial identity in that part of the world, too. And Tyre and Sidon are, are still pretty significant pieces of the world. And this story, I think, is a story which is talks about the rudimentary work of racial reconciliation. It's about race. But Jesus, before he, before he ends up in this situation with the Canaanite woman, he's having a discussion with his disciples about what true religion is. And what he says is, he, he gives this thing about it's not what you eat, it's what comes out of you that really is, deals with true religion. What he's saying is, I think pretty directly, that true religion is how you affect the world. True religion shows in how you affect the world. Hadn't got to do with all these kind of little doodles and dots that, that religion puts out there, which includes, by the way, doodles and dots of various theologies. It has to do with how you affect the world. And it's a very direct statement. And he says that how you, you know, you can learn something, you can do some practice of various sorts, um, and there's no necessarily spiritual component to that. Or the spirit may vary. So you know lots of people who preach theology and are mean about it. And you just want to say, really? I mean, what is the spiritual content? That theology does not guarantee spirit. But what comes out of you is what directly expresses the spirit that's in you. So true religion is about how you affect the world. And now he ends up, uh, the, the, the second thing, of course, here is that race and religion frequently get in the way of how you affect the world. One of the disappointments I had in today's clergy gathering, they prayed for anti-Semitism, but these good conservative preachers didn't pray about anti Muslim sentiment, which has been rife in our country. Um, 
However, it was a step forward to pray about anti-Semitism. So we're thankful for that. Um, But understand that in Jesus' time, race, religion, and nationality are all the same thing. So a Moabite lives in Moab and has the Moabite religion and gods. It's, It's all a single thing. And in this Hebrew scripture and in the New Testament, when you hear the word nation or the word Gentile, you're hearing a word that means ethnic group. And what we're dealing with here in this situation um, with this woman is a woman who has a different ethnicity, probably a different formal religion. We don't know what our formal religion is and lives in a different place. And that's the world that Jesus is inhabiting. So virtually a a significant amount of his teaching and encounters is about breaking down race. Race and religion get in the way. Now, we all have to have them. So it's not like you get to be free of it. It's just that it's one of those things that is either a stepping stone to relationship or a barrier to relationship. And we're seeing that take case, take place in this particular story. But watch the New Testament. It's really about race. I mean, I know King James didn't want us to know that. You know, little sideline, remember the, this is a racist culture that we entered into here. The English came here and basically thought that anybody of dark skin was defective, so they started out treating the Indians as defective and then, and didn't have any rights to their own land, and their religion was no good, and then they imported Africans and started treating them as defective, and only a few, um, well, there were, uh, they couldn't figure out what to do with Irish. Um, (laughs) You know, we can't figure that out today either, so they that's the way it was. But they really, this was a, this was a, 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 you know, a racist formation here. And the Bible they brought with them, remember they landed here in 1607. The Bible that was being translated right then and was completed in 1611 was named after our river. Or maybe the same king. James River, King James Version. He was doing the same deal. So the language that you've been brought up in and the, and the, the thought of scripture that you have inherited basically has this prejudice built into it. This, this hierarchical, racist set of assumptions. And to make sure that you don't understand it, they trans the word ethnic group, translate the word, word ethnic group as Gentile. Which is nice because nobody knows what Gentile means. And that's, that's how we kind of come into this. But the scripture is all about race, constantly. Because the Jews were preoccupied with race. They were a chosen people. Race and religion, however, frequently get in the way. And the result of that is hostility, arrogance, privilege, indifference, rejection, depression. Let's look at that in this story. So... Um, We've got uh, the disciples, you know, kind of trying to turn the other way and run away from this woman. Uh, we got a little bit of sexism going on here, too, I suspect. And um, they, uh, they don't want anybody to talk to her. They don't want to pay attention to her. They want to ignore her. So. 
Ignore, ignoring persons of uh, of another race who may be in poverty or in distress is well built into our culture. Um, hostility. You know, the stuff Jesus says to this woman is really hostile. You know, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That's hostile stuff, and the, and the disciples have already been hostile. It's arrogant. Arrogance means the other person has no place. Um, and it's all out of privilege. You know, we're okay. Nobody else fits, fits the criteria. Um, but watch as well the, the, um, the sense of rejection that's going on that this woman is dealing with. She's really standing on the, on the edge of the question of rejection. And watch the depression because her daughter is suffering from some deep depression of some sort. That's a, you know, race and religious preferences used in a way that, uh, that does not uh, affect other people positively, but affects them negatively, is what we're talking about. Remember, it's all about how you affect people is true religion, not what the name of your religion is. Mm, did I say that? <laughs> so what's going on here is that Jesus doesn't defend himself it's a very interesting situation Jesus makes a couple of really racist religiously prejudiced comments now you know this is something that New Testament scholars get to play with forever you all want to play with it you can play with it some people think it shows that well, there's no question that Jesus was human, by the way, just could we not argue about that. But um, Jesus uh, was learning. He was prejudiced, but the lady, but the lady converted him. <laughs> A lot of people think that may be true. Or Jesus was articulating this hostile, racist uh, position in order to give her the opportunity to speak into it. And I think both are possible. I actually go with the second one myself this week. But, <laughs> but notice how Jesus behaves. Jesus does not defend himself. And, uh, and I don't know what kind of interracial or other religious work you do. Um, but let me just say that um, that the need to defend yourself is not usually helpful. Because he just simply states something. She gets to respond and he listens. Isn't that interesting? She gets to respond and he listens. Now what do we know about her? What we know about her that he notices is that she is absolutely diligent in prayer. And I want you to watch the words here because Jesus says... Great is your faith. You know, as far as we know, she wasn't saying the Shema, which is the Jewish kind of initial creed. She wasn't saying the Nicene Creed. I don't think it had been written yet. (laughs) She wasn't a good Baptist, as far as we know. We don't know what 
her creed would have been, we don't even hear anything that sounds to us like religion. But he sees the lady and he says, great is your faith. So important in the New Testament, when you hear the word faith, don't take your idea of what faith means to the story. Take the story to your idea of faith. And watch what she's doing. You know, she is absolutely going to go after it. She is not going to stop. She smells or senses the power of the Spirit, and she won't quit because it deals with her life itself. Um, so she's, she puts herself out there as much as she can. That's what Jesus is calling faith in this situation. Isn't that interesting? No set of beliefs. Um, maybe not even any concrete thought. Just, just the pure urging of the heart after what's most important. And she's, she doesn't give up. She's diligent in prayer. That's a form of prayer, what she's doing. And Jesus is diligent in prayer as well, which is interesting. He meets her by offering affirmation, confirmation, consolation. Um, She speaks her heart. Yeah, but even the dogs will pick up the crumbs from the table. And he's blown away by it. Exactly, it's, it is, you can't argue with it. Uh, it's a statement of absolute human truth and desire. Um, beyond religious distinction, beyond gender distinction, beyond racial distinction, yeah, but even the dogs will pick up the crumbs under the table. And Jesus basically is diligent in his response to her. Yes, you know, great is your faith. Um, I can't say anything about that. And so he's listening in prayer as well. This is a, a meeting of spirit with spirit. Go back to the initial statement with the disciples. You know, true religion is about um, how you affect the world. So these people are affecting each other and true and and what comes out of you is what expresses the spirit within you and that's going on with these two people and the result of this is that all are healed or at least she and Jesus and her daughter are healed now just a note on the daughter because I do think this is about race as you as you Probably no, you know, racial oppression passed on by generation depresses children. The children pay the price of the parents' pain or the parents' depression or the parents' oppression. So the sins of the fathers are visited to the third and fourth generation. That's what happens. So... When the woman is healed, the child is healed. And the oppression is left from the family. It's a very, very interesting story about how to end generational oppression. And it's right here in this, in this very simple thing, but it's all about race. 
Nothing else. That's where it hits. Um, you know, I'm, I was brought up in Virginia. How many of y'all are from Virginia? How many of the rest of y'all are from the South? Okay, how many of y'all are Yankees? I won't ask how many are Asians or Europeans. It's, I didn't get a good count there. Um, what happens is that this, um, what we like to do is we like to ask as if, we act, like to act as if race were peripheral to the human drama. You know, um, something's wrong with us because we're preoccupied with race. Well, the only reason we're preoccupied with it is because we're not occupied with it. I mean, it's basically fundamental to the human drama. It's one of the great places we learn, one of the great places where oppression takes place, and one of the great opportunities for reconciliation and truth. Maybe one of the greatest. And that's what's happening here. Of course, it's not just race. Remember, race is always hooked up with economics and with um, religion quite often. So, but it's not peripheral to the human drama. Read the New Testament. It's in there the whole time. Or try the Old Testament, which is all about race. Okay. So who all are healed, at least the woman, Jesus, is healed, and so is her child. Now, who's not healed in the story? The disciples. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Because the folks who are preaching the gospel are the ones who don't get it. So we're talking about the rudimentary work of racial reconciliation, which is fundamental to gospel, has to keep continuing as people learn the words but not the thoughts, as people pick up the religion but not the spirit. And then... As faith, faith in listening and faith in absolute undying determination uh, carry us forward and bring about God's reconciliation in our own lives.